Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. guys thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Reticle standard podcast my name is zach hernandez and this evening i'm joined by my guy matt wellen and our guy mike andrews who's a little banged up down there we'll get that explanation a little later before we do if you're joining on twitter head over to youtube.com slash 49ers hive join from there so we can see and interact with your comment if you're commenting on twitter we're not ignoring it we just cannot see it with that said matt how you doing this wednesday evening you know i'm doing good um I'm still, I don't know, a little, uh, little hungover from the from the disappointment of of Sunday, um, what happened, and I'm kind of, you know, I don't know. It, it's a weird feeling, but I think, uh, yeah, I, you know, we got we got a big one this week, so I think we're we're gonna need to get into that. Yeah, man. Before we went live, I'm like, I, I'm kind of numb. I guess is the word. I don't really know how to put it. Yeah, um, Mike. How are you doing and what's going on? Yeah, man. So uh, I, I tried to like come up with this cool story to tell everybody. Like, you know, like I was walking down the street, some guy said, yo, fuck the Niners. And like, bam, he hit me. And I'm like, oh, man, sorry about the time. Bam, sorry. Um, but it was nothing like that at all. Uh, I woke up in the middle of the night, probably like four or five in the morning. Uh, my hair was in my eye, like one of my locks. And I think it had been in my eye for a while, like rubbing up against it. And so uh, I couldn't see anything. And it was the weirdest thing, like trying to open or keep one eye closed. The other one's getting all irritated because it's early in the morning as well. And like I'm rubbing and rubbing and making it worse. And, uh, so finally I ended up going to the urgent care. And the guy's like, oh, you've been having, I, I'm going to wait till seven minutes to tell you guys the, the, the rest of the story. Never mind. But it was, it was very interesting. He was, he was wanting to know uh, what kind of bedroom activities I had been partaking in. And if any of it involved a hot tub uh, and just told me straight up, like, oh, you have conjunctivitis. That's what that's where it came from. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, that's I'm, I'm telling you that my eye hurts, not that it's gunk. There's, there's no gunk or anything like that. Like, don't tell me I have conjunctivitis because you think I, I'm uh, active in my bedroom. <laughs> like, that's not how this works. So anyhow. Uh, yeah. So I got some numbing drops in there. Uh, got to keep it closed for 24 hours. I go back with a four follow-up appointment in the morning and we'll see what happens. As far as the game, uh, I guess we'll get into a review later on. I'll shut up. 
Damn. All right. Well, hopefully that eye feels better soon. Um, this one's going to be an interesting game to preview. Obviously, the 49ers are in a weird spot because they lose their starting quarterback, but they go back to their starting quarterback of the past, like, what, four or five years? I don't know how long he's Jimmy Garoppolo's been here now. Um, so there's not as much of a drop-off, if any, and I'll get into that explanation a little later, um, but they travel to Denver, Sunday Night Football. Denver, Matt, hasn't looked maybe as good as a lot of people thought. Is this a little bit of the early season jitters? Is it a new head coach, new quarterback, getting used to each other type thing? What do you make of Denver coming into Sunday night? I think it's a couple of things. I think that, you know, Nathaniel Hackett, his decision-making has been very questionable on multiple plays. I think there's some friction there already between him and Russell Wilson. And I think that Russell Wilson isn't the Russell Wilson that we're accustomed to. He came into camp looking a little heavier. He looks a little slower. I don't know if he has the escapability that he used to have. And if he doesn't have that, then he's kind of a below average height pocket quarterback. And I don't know how effective that's going to be. I know that Denver gave him a ton of money and they expect big things out of him. And, you know, they're still on the whole, I mean, he's, he's like Broncos country, let's ride, but he's still, you know, let Russ cook to me. The question is, is Russ already cooked? Okay. I like that. Um, I well, saw a bunch good. of people in the, in the comments on Twitter talking about, turns out he can only cook with a microwave. So maybe they are letting him cook in Denver, but the meal's not that good. Uh, Mike, we saw them lose with a boneheaded decision in Seattle week one, them being Denver. And then last week, barely etch out a victory against the lowly, with all due respect, Houston Texans. How worried are you for this game? Uh, I'm not really worried about it. It's it, To me, Russell Wilson in the, and their offense isn't going to be the problem. Uh, we're hearing they might be without Judy. Uh, we're hearing that Sertain might be out as well. So you're missing uh, star pieces, star skill players on both sides of the ball. Um, Russell Wilson is still learning a new offense over this. This is our first time seeing him in a system where it's an actual system, right? Uh, sorry about that. Hold on. Let me get my camera back on. I don't know why it just randomly does this. All right. So this is our first time seeing him in an actual system, right? Like in, in Seattle, they weren't known for their offense. Like they they weren't. Their offensive coordinators were guys who just fly by the night. They didn't invest anything in the offensive line to even develop a real offense, right? It was kind of just like backyard football for five consecutive years over there, you know? Um, this is a system that they want to implement. This is something that they want Russell Wilson to actually learn and operate in this system. Now, we don't know if the system's going to work. We don't know if Russell Wilson's going to work in that system. Um, but I think our success is going to be on the shoulders of the quarterback and his limitations or lack thereof. So that's really what this game comes down to to me. I have all the faith in the world in our defense against their offense. It's whether or not we can outscore them with the offense that we have. Yeah, really well said. And you got into a little bit of the injuries there. I'm going to pull up the injury reports for both teams um, today. Let me get this overlay off. So we see... This is per Matt Mayoko, 49ers report for Wednesday. Eric Armstead pops on here uh, with a foot injury that kept him out of practice. Offensive line mold, Daniel Landman, excuse me, Daniel Brunskill, still not practicing that hamstring injury. Terry Davis Price with the ankle injury. Tyler Croft knee and Trent Williams had a rest day. We did see, however, 
Star tight end George Kittle returned to practice. He's dealing with that groin injury that kept him out since before the season started. Before we get into the Broncos report, Matt, any of this surprise you? What do you make of George Kittle returning? The jokes are out there, obviously, with Jimmy. What do you make of it? Yeah, um, well, I mean, it's the original timetable for the injury. Um, It just sucks that it's the optics of the situation that make it look like maybe George Kittle was sandbagging a little bit now that he's Jimmy's back in the fold. He's more excited to play. I think the media is making a little bit out of it as well. I know that some people were posting videos and like, oh, looks like the same old George Kittle. I, I think it'll be a boon for the team overall. It's just unfortunate that Trey Lance didn't get an opportunity to play with George Kittle before the injury. So it's, I mean, it's a big, it's a big return. They need that. Um, that will keep the defense at least a little bit more honest until you know they have reason to believe otherwise. And that's helpful too because the 49ers are just pretty battered at running back. Um, Marlon Mack to the active squad. Tevin Coleman somehow wormed his way back to the practice squad. I Again, this team has gone through the ringer already. It seems like even numbered years, the 49ers just get decimated by injuries. We get decimated by injuries anyway, but particularly the even-numbered years just seem to hit us really hard. So it's good to have George Kittle back in practice, but you know there's still a lot of guys that that are sitting out that you know it's it's going to be tough, and they got to find a way to limit these injuries as we progress into the season because typically teams get less healthy as they go along, not more healthy. Well said, um, Mike. The 49ers usually lose a couple of running backs throughout the year. The past two years, it's been week one. They lose their starting running back. Are you a little surprised with how they went about the position this offseason where they let Michael Hasty go? They let Trey Sermon go literally a day after making the final 53-man roster to pick up some offensive linemen from Cleveland, if I remember correctly. Are you surprised with how they handled that position? I'm not surprised by it. They invest a lot in that offensive line, and I think that's going to continue to be a theme for the Niners until they can get some sustained success over there. Um, I, but I, I was surprised at how quickly they cut, um, how quickly they cut Sermon. But we also understood why, right? Like we had a, a really banged up offensive line. We weren't sure um, how, who, which who was it? oh Mike Mike uh, Mike McGlinchey. We weren't sure how he was going to be in, in full-time game action and things like that. And lo and behold, it turns out the offensive line is probably the best part of the whole team, right? Like it's, it's, it's incredible how it works out. That was the part that everybody was nervous about. I was more nervous about the offensive line and their cohesion than I was Trey Lance. Uh, and then you look at this list here and <clears throat> Trent Williams, is the only offensive lineman listed there. And that was because it was a vet day. It, he wasn't injured at all, you know, and these guys are out there and they're having a ball. They're dominating the offensive line. They're doing their thing. Um, it's, it's the running backs, you know, I was talking to Ali uh, while I was out in Cali and he was, he had like this theory and I don't remember if it was like weeks one and two are always bad for the 49ers. That's when most of the injuries seem to happen or the big injuries. We lost Trey Sermon uh, for the whole year in week two. Uh, he was talking about the year that we lost uh, uh, Bosa, Bosa. And, Bosa and Solomon Thomas. Uh, he, he like, he went down this list and it was actually pretty impressive. <laughs> that they he lost was Mostert to that week too. Yeah, we lost Mostert. Yeah, like the weeks one and two are typically really bad for the 49ers when it comes to long term. And Jimmy Garoppolo, that was the other one. It was Jimmy Garoppolo. How, how can I forget, right? Uh, and so then here we are now losing Trey Lance for the season. Um, and so it's 
they, they got to do something. I, I don't know how much of what they can do. Just try to be prepared. You know, it, that's why it's important to get that depth. Um, and I'm not surprised that they went out and got uh, Coleman back, you know, because they can't bring back a guy like Sermon. You know, now we have to get someone who's familiar with the system and all that. But it was interesting to see that Mac leapfrogged him. They didn't sign Coleman to the active uh, squad. Instead, what they decided to do was put him to the practice squad and bring Marlon Mack up from the practice squad. So that I thought was interesting. Uh, and after working these guys out multiple times and Kyle's familiarity with them, I thought Coleman would have, if I just had that, like if you asked me at the beginning of the season, which guy is Kyle going to activate first and they're both on your practice squad, my gut would have said Coleman, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see how it works out. He, uh, hopefully he knows Coleman's trash and maybe he's not quite sure Marlon Mack is fully washed. So he's like, you know what? I'm going to see what Marlon Mack's got before. Cause I already know what Coleman is. Uh, I got Mike's or excuse me, Matt's take on this. I heard you discuss this on your show last night, Mike, but there is in this come here from Anthony Colbert, a conspiracy that George Kittle is now magically healthy because Jimmy Garoppolo is back. He maybe wasn't a big fan of Trey Lance. Now that Jimmy's in there, suddenly he's able to practice and play. What do you make of this conspiracy theory? It's it's just timing. It's timing about everything, you know. Um, it, G- George Kittle was supposed to be back between weeks three and four all along. Uh, it was never, the, you know, that's why they questioned whether or not they were going to put him on IR, you know. So it wasn't, um, it wasn't, I don't think, I don't buy into the conspiracy theory. Of course, the thing with theory is that you can't prove them. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a theory, right? So uh, we'll, we'll, it, people are going to have fun with it. People are going to say and continue to try to divide the locker room. Uh, and hopefully... This is all stuff that bands these guys together a lot more, makes these guys a lot closer. You know what I mean? So that's that's what I would like to see uh, come out of all of this. And I'm looking at myself in the camera now that you got me at the top, and I notice that my head is turned. And I can't figure out why, but it's because I can't see on my left eye. So it's like I'm centered according to what I see on the screen. But when I look up, I'm like sideways. Get my good side, guys. Get my good side. Sorry, I thought that was funny. I'm sorry. That is funny. Um yeah, it is weird. You know, I really, like Matt said, I really just think it's the timing of how it worked out. Um, there is a comment. Sorry, I'm trying to move these, move this back. There is a comment here from Hung Fat. I just don't like how suddenly they started saying his three-week injury, like they always said that. I was always under the impression that he was basically day-to-day. Maybe I misread what the team was putting out, but it's like, oh, he was so close to going week one. Very close to going. And then week two comes, it was very close. He might go. And then, oh, no. And then all of a sudden, they're like, you know, he right on track, three weeks, he'll be back. I'm like, oh, right. okay. I didn't know it was a three-week injury. If you remember what I said before we started the season, though, I always penciled in this Broncos game as his return. Like I was saying, you have two pe- beatable teams in week one. Now, they didn't beat the Bears, but they put a drubbing on the Seahawks. Week three against the Denver Broncos was – always where I had George Kittle coming back because that's when you can use the reinforcement the most, right? Don't waste him in Chicago. Don't waste him for a poor Seattle team. Waste him, well, you know, get him back for a Denver team that presents, at least on paper, more danger than these other two teams despite the fact that they're not playing well and Denver's coming into the game banged up. That's something entirely different. But this is where I always thought he was going to come back as well. I think it's just... I think people are reacting to, I believe it was either Adam Schefter or Ian Rappaport who said, oh, this was always a three-week injury. And that is just like, dude, you didn't know that. You're just making things up. It's speculation because you figured out, oh, Kittle's probably not going to play in week two, but he'll definitely play for Denver, right? Because that's what everybody was under the belief that, 
a primetime game against a marquee team. They need this victory. Uh, you know, that's going to be where he was always going to come back for me. So it kind of made logical sense. And and not only that, <clears throat> the team has the uh, obligation to create a competitive advantage wherever they can. Make it seem like Kittle is coming back. So, Zach, you didn't misread anything. They kept saying, oh, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. But we, amongst ourselves, as we were talking, he's not playing week one. He's not playing week two. You know, they kept doing that. But, that, again, that's to create the competitive advantage. And uh, the faithfuls have to understand that, you know, that the fan base has to understand that. The national media is not going to get it, right, because they're not as tapped in and watching and listening to everything. When a person doesn't practice all week long, I don't care if it's George Kittle, you're not likely to play. They've been giving those reps to someone else for a reason. You know, um, seeing that he was limited today, that's a good sign, right? But they should have been saying that all along for the competitive advantage. You know, if you want to try to fool the people closer to the situation. Yeah, yeah, really good points. Um, Let's get into the Broncos Injury report for Wednesday, September 21st, as we're recording here. Uh, Randy Gregory, defensive end, did not practice. All the following players did not practice. Randy Gregory with a knee injury. Wide receiver Jerry Judy with a rib and a shoulder injury. Defensive tackle DJ Jones, ankle injury. Uh, guard Quinn Miners, hamstring injury. Corner Darius Phillips, hamstring injury. And corner Patrick Sertain with a shoulder injury. And limited were wide receiver KJ Hamler, knee and hip injury. And linebacker Joy Josie Joel calf injury and safety Caden Cern's hip injury. Obviously, there are some pretty big names here as far as talent for the Broncos. Mike, I'm gonna go right back to you. If the the Broncos are without Judy Jones, Sertain, they're looking like a totally different team. But I also saw that they were kind of day to day. Are you leaning towards having them? Or going against them, I should say, or not, or way too early to tell. From my understanding, Jerry Judy was supposed to be missing two weeks. Uh, But that was me, like, digging through Broncos fans' tweets and things like that. Trying to do what, you know, the research, unlike, you know, how the national media is going to do. I didn't think Judy was going to play in this game. And I also didn't think uh, Sertain was going to play in this game. I don't know about anybody else. And is, is Darius Phillips, is he a starter for them? Yeah, you think so? Okay. Um, I wasn't I wasn't sure about him either. I, I found out about that later. Um, but this I I believe it or not, if these guys don't go, I think that makes them more dangerous. I really do. It's easier to study tape of people who have had a week and a half, you know what I mean, or or things like that with Russell Wilson to see their timing and their rapport off. Uh, this to me plays into the strength of Russell Wilson, that backyard football element that we were talking about of what they did so well here in in, in Seattle, right? Uh, I think that makes them more dangerous. It's a bunch of people with no names. Uh, oh, okay, he's not he's not a starter, so I apologize. Um, Darius Phillips is not a starter, just a depth guy. Um, but to me, this, this bodes well for them. Uh, we don't know who is the number one guy right now. You know what I'm saying? We don't know who the number two guy is going to be on, on the offense uh, for the wide receiver position, you know? Like, so it, it, who who are we really studying? Who are we focusing on on the defense? Or do we just say forget it and we're going to play a lot of man and just you know play that? I don't I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see the defensive plan for this game and how they choose to attack us as well. Yeah, um, go ahead, Matt. I I mean you're going to focus on Cortland Sutton. That's who you're going to focus on. And this is a team. I know you talk about the backyard football. I just I don't believe that Russell Wilson has that same ability again to get away. 
He just doesn't. He looks slow. He's not the same guy. I think a lot of players out in the NFL have noticed it. Former teammates have noticed it. He's not the same escapability. And it's, I think, a huge reason why he struggled so far this year and really struggled last year as well in times. You know, he started out hot and then broke the the, the thumb, was it? And then came back and looked really average for a lot of those weeks and then had a really couple of good games later in the season, but he didn't look like he was escaping there was visible frustration from offensive teammates at times with Russell Wilson. And I just think that he's on the natural decline of his career. When you start out as a small guy to begin with an undersized guy and your key to famous athleticism. I mean, we've seen it with Michael Vick. We've seen it with others. And Russell Wilson is not that level of athlete, but when you're undersized and you lose the ability to escape get away move up in the line you know you're not able to do those things i mean we saw it from drew Brees. drew Brees' last couple years was a completely different quarterback now drew Brees was so polished and so refined as a passer that he could get away with the dink and dunk offense russell wilson seems like he's still playing like he has that athleticism and he doesn't tom brady can be successful because tom brady's six four and 220 pounds or whatever you know those guys can last a little bit longer because the height is still there, right? Brady can still zip it down the field and he was never a burner to begin with. So with Brady, you're looking at his skill set will hold up for a longer period of time. Whereas Russell Wilson, his escapability was a huge part of his game. The ability to get out on the edge, make defenders miss, give the receivers time for the coverage to break down and then he can fire it down there. I don't think he has that anymore. And if you take away Cortland Sutton, if Jerry Judy's not playing, he's not left with a whole lot. Right. And to, to further your point, with Drew Brees at the end of his career, it was he was already making those adjustments. He knew he was past his prime. He was out of his element. Russell Wilson's in that phase right now where it's he has to realize he's out of his prime, and now he has to make those adjustments. And I think there's a little bit of denial. You know, I, I, what is how old is he? Thirty one, thirty two, something like 32, that. Thirty two, I think. Yeah, thirty two. Yeah, so I, I know how I felt when I was thirty two. I felt like I'm still in my prime. I got three more good years left as far as physical ability right i might not be as fast as i was when i was you know in my 20s but as far as strength and the ability to throw and you know uh cerebral i i felt like i was still just as sharp you know uh he's he's looking at that phase right now and he's gotta like come to grips with reality sooner than later if they're gonna salvage their season over there in denver and the thing is once Judy's healthy, of course, he has some weapons that he can rely on so that he doesn't have to be Seattle Russell Wilson. You know, a lot of those times he was working behind patchwork offensive line, all this stuff. He actually has some tools in Denver that he doesn't need to be the put it on my shoulders guy anymore. So I think his best years in Seattle were when he could lean on guys like Marshawn Lynch, where he can lean on, you know, some of the, those wide receivers that he, you know, the the Doug Baldwins and you know, types like that, where he didn't have to be the guy all the time. Um, it was no coincidence, I think, that once he became the man and it was about letting Russ cook, that the team suffered for it overall. And they were either fringe playoff team or they were just out of the playoffs altogether. And I think I think Russell Wilson, you know, you can tell he's a, he's a little bit delusional and I can appreciate a man visualizing and stuff. But when he was like pretending to walk out of the tunnel and high fiving the air, it's just like, where are you at, man? Like that's and we always say that he's kind of corny and stuff like that. But like, 
there's a, I mean, there's a little bit of corniness, and then there's like the beyond where you're just starting to slip into delusional territory. And I think somebody's got to wake him up. I just don't know if it's Nathaniel Hackett because, by his own admission, he is not doing a great job so far. Also, I saw, um, and I, I forget who commented it, but talking about uh, Richard Sherman having KJ Wright on his Richard Sherman show over on the volume. I don't know if you guys had a chance to watch it. I watched it about a few hours ago, actually, but they were going in on Russell Wilson, and it was very, very interesting to see. R- Richard Sherman has been basically all out against Russell Wilson this year, and it's really funny to see, just as somebody who dislikes Russell Wilson, uh, they were talking just about how he would make everything about himself, how he would get the favoritism, and then K.J. Wright made a really good point. He's like, he's got two really, really good backs in Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon, yet I get the feeling he's the one going to hack it, saying... I want to put the ball in my hands. I want to pass more, yada, yada, yada. And I think the 49ers need to be wary of Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon may be not as slow as he once was, but he's still a very capable back. And Javante Williams is a very, very good back. So the 49ers defense might have their hands full all day. Mike, I'm going to throw it back to you. How are you feeling about how they can handle guys like Williams, Gordon, and whoever else the Broncos have in their running back stable? Yeah. Um, I I have no reason to doubt this defensive line as of right now. Uh, Eric Armstead's foot injury might be something that we need to keep an eye on there. Uh, but the, the defensive line, the 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 run game, it's, we're we're dominating right now. We're really dominating, and teams that uh, n- know that they need to run the ball on the Niners haven't been able to do it yet. Uh, so I I like what we're seeing from them uh, as far as it, for. So I'm not really concerned about who it is. Um, we just have to stay sound, you know, and that's what those linebackers are there for as well. So I, I like it. I like our odds. Okay. I like that. Um, I think that the 49ers defense has been extremely good. Granted, I keep trying to like level myself back down. Cause I'm like, they played, you know, uh, if he bears team in the rain and a rebuilding Seahawks team, just fields, you know, Smith, they weren't elite quarterbacks, but I still like what I saw. Um, Matt, what do you expect from the 49ers defense Sunday night? More of the same? Absolutely. You can tell this defense flies to the ball. Um, they get they get after it. They're very athletic. They're very quick. They like contact. They like getting up in people's faces. And, you know, I don't have it off the top of my head. I can pull it up here. Um, but, I mean, the defense has been pretty good. Uh, you know, Geno Smith for the Seahawks like 30 pass attempts and under 200 yards, right? His completion percentage was high, but it was all underneath stuff. Um, Justin Fields had those two touchdown passes, but you take those two touchdown passes away and he was six of 15 for like 50 yards and an interception there. You know, he just wasn't very good without those touchdown passes. Um, they're good against the run once again, which has been kind of a, you know, a staple in, in a lot of ways that they've been good against at least running backs. The problem the 49ers have, and it showed once again against the bears was mobile quarterbacks still give them fits because they pursue so hard that if a quarterback can escape, it's a problem. Normally I'd say Russell Wilson could be that problem. But as I've said before, I don't think he is the Russell Wilson of old. And I think they're going to be able to contain him better than they have before. I expect this defense to get after Russell Wilson, force him to make some mistakes, keep 
getting that learning curve steeper for Nathaniel Hackett when he actually has to play, a, you know, an outstanding defense rather than, I mean, we talk about the 49ers, man, we don't know what to expect from the defense because they've played, you know, two bad teams or whatever. One of the teams that they just absolutely shellacked was the one that beat Denver in week one. And then Denver had to scrape and claw and scratch for a victory over the Texans, for God's sake. So this is not exactly a Denver team that's lighting the world on fire, getting after it and looks like a world beater. This is a team that is also struggling to come into its own. But at least we know from the 49ers side, the defense is something that we have relied on in the past. And it looks like we're going to continue to rely on this week and going forward. Really well said. Um, touching on the 49ers defense, they're averaging nine and a half points per game. They gave up. 19 in Chicago and they didn't give up any last week. So I'm not putting that touchdown on them. That was a blocked field goal or yeah. Blocked field goal taken back for an extra uh, extra, excuse me, a touchdown. So they essentially shut out the Seahawks last week, only gave up 19 and essentially two broken plays. I mean, it should have been 21, but whatever, I'm going to credit them to 19. So they are doing really, really well. And I think that's going to continue this Sunday night in Denver and Russell Wilson, I know, like you said, he's able to kind of give 49ers fits with the mobility. But, Matt, I think you're spot on. The mobility is not so much. I forget who commented in the chat. He's 85% at most of what he was in Seattle in his prime years. Um, well, we got a super chat from our guy, John Chapman. says, talk about a power team. Love the show, guys. Thank you very much, John. Shout out to the 49ers podcast. You do a fantastic job over there. Absolutely. We love you, John. Thank you. That's my guy right there. What's up, John? So moving it over on the flip side, I think we know what to expect from the 49ers defense, Mooney Ward, Hufanga, who, by the way, I just saw is leading the team in tackles with 17. The guy is a freaking ball magnet. He gets there so quick. Let's throw it over to the flip side, the offense. Now we are kind of preparing for the past, I don't even know how long, eight months, six months for what to expect from Trey Lance. We got, Four quarters and two drives, and now that's out the window for the year. What do we expect again from Jimmy Garoppolo? Mike, he's he's healthy. I say that with air quotes because he's been healthy before, and we've seen his expectations. But now that he's healthy, what do you expect from him moving forward? This is a better Niners team. I'm just going to throw that out there, and I'll let you answer. Are you asking what do I expect in this game or throughout the season? Let's start with this game, yeah. Okay. So I, for one – was actually impressed with some of the throws Jimmy Garoppolo was making in this game. Um, the touchdown pass, he threw a lot of passes well outside the hashes, downfield a little bit more. Uh, it seemed like, you know, he was playing with this, I don't really care. This was 2017 Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, when he was out there doing his thing, uh, not the dink and dunk stuff. He, he did mix some of that in. Let me be very clear of what I'm saying. Uh, he did mix a lot of that stuff in there. Um, but there weren't a lot of the, Jimmy, what the hell are you doing, please? And that was me watching it live. Now, I have to go back and rewatch it on TV a couple more times to really give a, a full assessment of it. But uh, if he continues to play the way that he was in this last game, uh, he will have defenses respecting guys like Ayuk, uh, the the um, pass attempt to, was it McLeod, I believe? He even had a deep one that he tried to get to Danny Gray. Uh, a little underthrown, but you still have to make those throws, whether they're completed or not, to make the defenses respect you. Uh, and I think that's like in his head now. Like, let me try to have some fun with these weapons also. You know, um, he hasn't had that since uh, Marquise Goodwin was here. 
you know? So I, I liked what I saw from Jimmy, uh, not to say that he's like, you know, significantly improved or anything like that, but the mindset at least so far seems to be different. Now he could have just been going in there and having to run the plays that were called because the rest of the team worked on those plays. Um, but we'll see what the game plan is like for him in this game. I'm not quite sure how it's going to look, uh, but I, I think he'll be competent. I think we'll be competitive enough on the offensive side of the ball, especially if George Kittle's back. Uh, you can always depend on the short passes to guys like him and Debo across the middle to, to open some things up for, for the rest of the team. You know, I, I can see where you're coming from with the Jimmy Garoppolo, the mindset, the laissez-faire attitude. I'm going to come in and I'm just going to play. I mean, he should have that attitude. He's essentially playing for his next job. Um, he It's a contract year, so he should come in and kind of throw caution to the wind and really put it out there on tape. And I thought he did a good job of that early. Like you said, there were some throws outside of the numbers. I'm wondering if when Kyle said we were still on script when Jimmy Garoppolo came into the game, if that was true, then those were throws that would have been more in Trey Lance's wheelhouse and that that was just the read that Jimmy had to make in the throw, right? Because it seemed after the first like two drives or so, it was 2021 Jimmy Garoppolo all over again. It's like the man throws a hell of a tunnel screen. I'll give him that, right? And it's a lot of yak. But the down the field stuff was primarily on that first and second drive. And then after that, I really didn't see a lot of it. So the jury's still out on what Jimmy Garoppolo wants to do. But my biggest concern is that running back room. They need to get that running back room right. They need to get somebody in there that can take some of the pressure off because this is going to look like the 2019 49ers. It's going to look like last year's 49ers where Jimmy Garoppolo is going to prop himself up on the running game and on the back of a great defense. And that's going to be more of the same this year. It's why I'm still excited about the team, but that for whatever reason, I just, I feel like they're going to be a little less fun to watch. If that makes sense. Um, They have a lot of talent and they're going to be good, but I don't think they're going to be as, um, as interesting because we've seen that it's, it's like, you know, when you listen to your favorite record and it's pretty comfortable, right? But you were looking forward to that new hotness and it's just not, it's sold out. Like that's how kind of how I feel right now. It's like, all right, I like the artist, but I've seen, I've, you know, listened to these songs before. And, well, and you're absolutely right. You know, I did give him his props for the, the down the field attempts and things like that. But I do remember talking to the guys at halftime. We tried to do a halftime show, but the reception was trash. And I said, guys, we're probably not going to score anymore. We did end up getting one more touchdown there, um, but it was it was you're right. It was like back to normal, Jimmy. So I, I do want to sprinkle that in there as well. You're right. To touch on the contract year comments that you discussed, Matt. Again, contract year times ten since you know he'll be somewhere else next year. So this is a season long audition. This could be the fire that lights. It gets lit under his ass is the fact that he knows essentially this is 15 games of tape for me to put out there for another team to see. He essentially just got told by every team in the league. Eh, you know, we're all right. Actually, we got Baker. Actually, we got Davis Mills. Actually, we got Carson Wentz. Eh. Mitch Trubisky. Mitch Trubisky. So, Hopefully that's the fire that that lights under his ass and actually drives him to play a little better. Maybe hits a linebacker every other game instead of every game. Um, so 
I'm, I'm just really, really hoping that's what he needs. He made an interesting comment after the show, which some people took it as Kyle Shanahan possibly holding him back. Matt, he basically said, yeah, you know, there are some things that I was used to, some things I wasn't used to, but it felt good being out there, kind of being able to do what I wanted to do. I, for, I forget the exact quote. Do you think Kyle Shanahan holds him back at all? Would that make any sense? I mean, it makes sense from the fact of Jimmy thinks that he can do some things that he really can't do, and Kyle's kind of trying to protect the team from some of the things that Jimmy Garoppolo thinks he can do and can't do. Jimmy loves to throw a ball in traffic. That's just something he likes to do. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo, when and we saw it in 2018 to start the season, when he was throwing outside the numbers a lot, he was getting picked a lot. Let's not forget that first game against the Bucks, where he had a pick six on like a five yard out route that he just did not see the cornerback uh, for the, and I forget who the corner was that picked it off. It was somebody, uh, oh, it was Vernon Hargreaves, I think, that picked it off and took it to the house. And then the next week against the Minnesota Vikings, everybody remembers that that one, that one throw to Dante Pettis in the back of the end zone. Wow, that thing looked great, right? But he also had three picks in that game. You're talking about, I believe he had two in the first game too. So he had like five picks in two games. And then he, you know, blew out his knee against Kansas city, another game where he wasn't playing well. And this is like, everybody talks about pre ACL Jimmy. This was pre ACL Jimmy. This was just extended playing time. Jimmy that we didn't get to see. Okay. Jimmy Garoppolo between the numbers intermediate, pretty good when the linebacker's not lurking, right? He can, he can throw that, that, you know, 10 yard dig route or whatever. Pretty, pretty good. He can throw a slant. He can throw a tunnel screen. He can do those things. Jimmy throws outside the numbers very rarely because Kyle very rarely draws it up. And even sometimes when he draws it up wide open, like we saw last year on a wheel route with use check where Jimmy overthrew him by 15 yards, that even wide open is not a, a guarantee with him. So he can say that, you know, he's going to do this and he's going to do that. And that remains to be seen. But I mean, I'm telling you guys right now, I'm expecting at least one interception against the Denver Broncos on a play where we're going to be like, God damn it, Jimmy. Mike, before I throw it to you, I think you said it perfectly there, Matt. He, Jimmy probably thinks he's held back in the same way a toddler thinks they're held back when their mom doesn't let them touch the hot stove. You know, it's like, they, I want to do it. I want to do it. You just don't know better. And that's probably what Kyle Shanahan is thinking. You just don't know better, Jimmy. I'm doing what's best for you. You don't even know it. Um, Mike, I'm going to throw it to you. What do you make out of this 49ers wide receiver core? Is it going to be back to these five, seven-yard passes above the line of scrimmage to Debo Samuel and make them work for it? These deep passes have got to be gone, right? Probably. Uh, but, you know, there's some ways that Kyle can still continue to help Jimmy, right? Like more three wide receiver sets. Get one of those linebackers that are just camouflaged to him off of the field. You know what I mean? Like do you can do three wide receiver sets and, and try to spread the defenses out some more to give Jimmy more space to make some more throws. Um We've heard, we've heard Jimmy oftentimes say things like, hey, I just call, I just run the plays that are called. You know, like he's, he's kind of done this throughout his career. Uh, so the comments that you, were, you mentioned originally, it's, it's, not a, uh, it's not anything new with him. Um, but the wide receiving court is a lot better. You know, there's a lot more speed. There's a lot more dynamic. You have guys like Brandon Ayuk who have all the confidence in the world. We couldn't have said, we couldn't say the same thing last year or the year before. So th these guys are ready to go out there and show like, hey, we belong at the top of these lists when we're talking about wide receiver cores uh, in the NFL. Jimmy's got to be able to deliver these guys the ball now. And I think Kyle can do some more things with that to help Jimmy 
even with his limitations, you know, help that toddler, you know, um, <laughs> he's got to figure out how to make him know that the stove is hot, uh, you know, so. It's it's just the best way to put it, unfortunately. Matt, did you have something to share? Yeah, I mean, and we know that's that's the case, right? It's Jimmy throws to linebackers over and over and over again. He doesn't learn from its mistakes. So, again, it's Kyle protecting him from himself. But I find it interesting to whereas Trey Lance always says, oh, I got to get better. I got to do this. I got to do that. Jimmy goes, it was nice to not be held back by somebody. And it shows the difference in attitude between the two. And it's why... I was very, very reluctant to think about Jimmy Garoppolo as the starting quarterback and why I'm reluctant about the rest of the season and what we're going to be watching. So um, I know a lot of people are saying Danny Gray is about to be irrelevant. Here's, here's what I think. Jimmy Garoppolo has had a couple of deep balls where he's just overthrown the target. I don't think that Jimmy Garoppolo can overthrow Danny Gray. If if I was going to drop one back to Danny Gray, it's like if you're throwing it to Danny Gray, Jimmy, just huck it as far as you can and let that 4-3 speed just run right underneath it. It's the same thing. I mean, we saw Tua do it with, with Tyreek Hill last week when he threw six touchdown passes. Just throw the ball for him and see if he can go get it. And those are the type of plays where, especially on, like a, on a fly route, if you're going to throw that nine down the side mm-hmm. of the field, You'd rather overthrow it than underthrow it. At least you know your receiver's going to get it, particularly on the sideline where you're protected against the the safety a little bit and you have the sideline as your friend. Throw it up there once a game for him. If he ends up with three or four touchdowns, that's a pretty good rookie season, and he can build off that. I don't think that he's going to be as impactful as he would have been had Trey Lance stayed healthy, but there are still things that you can do for Danny Gray. I actually think another way to do it too is to use him on some of those tunnel screens. You think Debo's fast on those screens. I mean, you get Danny Gray in there and you get Danny Gray working in space and he could he could take one. So there are ways to work him in. There are ways that I think the 49ers will adjust and try to use him. Anything that you can do to get Jimmy Garoppolo more help is probably a good thing. And he's got a he's also like was what I think the difference though with Debo and Gray, Debo does have the speed for sure, right? But Debo is also really good for making the first guy miss. I don't know if Danny Gray has that in him yet. You know, the 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 build, the body type, and things like that. And he's not he's not a small guy by any means, but he's not physical like how Debo is. And so it's going to be really important to to break that one that one tackle so that the screen I, can be I, successful. Right. I will say this though. I don't think Raheem Mostert was good at the one guy, making the one guy miss. It's just when you're so overwhelmingly fast, sometimes you don't need to make him miss. Sometimes he's just going to miss by virtue of not being able to touch you to begin with. So we can see. I just wanted to share this talking about Debo Samuel and his ability. Look at this play. Like this is just still, I saw it happen obviously, but just seeing it from above, there are what one, two, three, Let's, let's even do three, three line, three, excuse me, Seahawks right in front of Debo Samuel. Yet somehow this turns into this. Like, just amazing. It really is amazing. And, and that's the stuff you, you can't know, teach. You counted the three, but if you go back to the first one, there's a guy on the ground who had already missed him. I think it was like number 22 or something like that. There's, there, yeah, so there's someone already down there that tried to get him and missed him. So, I mean, it's it's just completely incredible what what, what he's capable of when he gets the ball in his hands. And uh, Debo will 
follow his blockers also. A lot of times guys with speed will try to outrun their blockers and just get, you know, get upfield right away. Debo has a little bit more patience. Uh, that vision that they they said, you know, that most running backs have, uh, Debo possesses that as well. Yeah. Yeah. I will say this too. Another guy that has, a, and I was watching it against the Seahawks, who has a great talent for making that first guy miss is Ray Ray McLeod on those punt returns. There was a couple yeah, times where he yeah, feel that yeah, the yeah. dude was right in his face and it was just the most subtle move you've ever seen. The dude was just shot right by him. I was like, that's pretty outstanding. Like if he can house like one or two this year, it'll be better than what we've had the last few years. Um, but I've been pretty impressed with the way that he at least fields the punts, if not his return so far. I think that, you know, rainy conditions could have played a part in that, but Man, you get him in a place like SoFi Stadium where it's a clean track and it's fast. Look out, man. He could pop one quick. Yeah. Although, damn, does it make me nervous seeing that ball in the air, knowing he hasn't Every called a catch. The defender's like two yards away, catches it, and somehow jukes him out. It is really impressive. Um, just to touch on Danny Gray, I, I, I don't think that we should be resigned to the fact that he's simply a speedster. We saw him in the preseason running some routes underneath that he was looking pretty good in. So I think Jimmy Garoppolo hopefully can help him develop his full route tree instead of just, oh, go out there and run long, go deep, run fast, run straight. Hopefully we can get a full receiver out of Danny Gray, and that would just complement Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and Juwan Jennings immensely. Well, and we've seen it time and time again with as particularly with rookie 49ers wide receivers. The person they are at the beginning of the season is not who they are at the end. I mean, Dante Pettis had growth from the beginning to the end of the season. He fell off in year two, but, you know, it was there. Brandon Ayuk at the end of his first season um, then got into the doghouse. Let's just hope the year two thing doesn't continue. But if trend is on track, Danny Gray should get better as the season progresses and as he gets more comfortable with his offense, because I guarantee you, Kyle is asking him things that SMU never asked him to do. So I, you know, it'll, it'll just be interesting to see how he can adjust. And if he can, that speed, speed kills. We, we know it, right. That's why Miami was able to make that comeback. I mean, beyond just Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle is fast too. And Josh McDaniels is like, all right, I'm running one deep. I'm running one underneath. Fuck you guys. Try to stop it. That's how that goes. Yep. Uh, so touching on this real quick, I know we talked about the defense already, but Anthony Colbert is asking how nasty the defense is going to be with Jimmy Ward. It's pretty nasty already. I'm just going to say Lombardi tweeted out PF5's top five graded safeties to start the season two years in, two weeks in, excuse me. Number one, Minka Fitzpatrick. Number two, Talano Hufanga. Number three, Mike Edwards. Four, Jamal Adams. And who else? But number five, Deshaun Gibson for the 49ers. This guy was just supposed to be a veteran kind of placeholder while Jimmy Ward's out. Turns out he's playing pretty well. Uh, Mike, do you think that that's just kind of how the stats show? Maybe they're lying a little bit to us. No, I don't think they're lying. The guys are actually playing really well. They're communicating in a phenomenal way. Uh, and I don't know if they're overcompensating because Jimmy Ward was not out there. Uh, and even that interception play where Hufunga tips it up in the air and uh, Gibson, I believe it was, who, was the one who came down with it. I don't know if Jimmy Ward makes that interception because he's, he's so assignment tight. I don't know if he's lurking like that. I don't know if he's playing, you know, once Talano was over there, I'm going to be back over here on this side. Uh, I I don't know how it works out. Uh, I would be I'm going to be very excited to see how the dynamic changes in two weeks when Jimmy Ward returns. So, 
It will be interesting I think to see. It, honestly, I think it's real, too. Look back at Deshaun Gibson's career. Where has he played? He started as an undrafted free agent with the Cleveland Browns, played there for five years, went to Jacksonville, played there for a couple seasons, then went to the Houston Texans, then went to the Chicago Bears. I mean, he's had a lack of talent around him and has been able to carve out a very respectable career. And now we're surprised that somebody who was an undrafted free agent and has, you know, a a 10 year career in the NFL. We're surprised that when he's surrounded by good talent can still make plays. I mean, I'm not that surprised. I know that Jimmy Ward is a better player overall, but in terms of, I agree with Mike, I think as someone who can catch an interception and has a little bit more of a ball hawk mentality, I think Deshaun Gibson is, is right there. And I've, you know, I, I think it's pretty. I think it's pretty uh, clear. I mean, Jimmy Ward has what four career interceptions? Gibson has twenty eight. So there's a huge difference there, and that's twenty eight on bad teams. Two, so, two of which were in one game last year. Just wanted to throw that in there real quick right. for Ward. Exactly right. So I mean, he's you know, man, he's nice. He's nice, and he's been nice for us. And I think that this is a nice reintroduction. To, to Sean Gibson, and uh, you know it's it's a boon for the 49ers that they were able to just scoop this guy up. It's funny you guys were talking about all these guys undrafted. Uh, you just step back for a second, right? Emmanuel Mosley, Chavarius uh, Ward, Gibson, right? And the only guy that was drafted in that in our secondary is Talanoa Hufunga. Like, think about that for a second. It's pretty incredible what the Niners are able to do with with these guys. I I, I think it's pretty and Womack too. By the way, Womack was drafted. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I know the two, the, the third round guy is on the bench and can't seem to get any run. So pretty interesting. Um, I, I saw Steve pointed out Jason Verrett should be back soon as well. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that would just be an extra addition to whatever you can get out of Verrett. Take it. Yeah. I've been extremely impressed with Mosley and Ward specifically Ward. I think the 49ers are getting their money's worth throughout two games this year. Basically shut down uh, Bears wide receivers, Seahawks wide receivers, and hopefully he can do it against Sunday night. We're going. I love go that ahead. he's a no-glove guy, too. That's I really find that fascinating, and I kind of like it a lot that he's a no-glove guy. Yeah. I respect the shit out of that. Don't see it too much anymore. No. All right, we're going to get into our offensive, defensive, and final score predictions. But before we do, we got to thank today's sponsor you're our guys you guys already know who it is it's our guys over at my bookie 49ers winning season took a week to get going but it is here i know it's hard to think of a winning season when unfortunately something like an injury happens but they are one and one and it's time for you to get your winning season kicked off if you haven't already you can head over to mybookie.ag, sign up with promo code HIVE, as in 49ers HIVE, and get your first deposit doubled instantly. You deposit $50, they'll make it $100. You deposit $100, they'll make it $200. Take advantage of the double deposit bonus today. This is designed to make the games and sports that you and I all love more fun, more exciting. So take advantage today. Make sure you sign up. Thursday night football is right around the corner. If you're watching this live, it's tomorrow. If you're watching this after, it's probably today. So go to mybookie.ag, sign up with promo code HIVE, like I said, and take advantage of the double deposit bonus with mybookie. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with mybookie. 
Shout out to them for sponsoring the show. We appreciate you very much, my bookie. All right. With that said, Matt, I already know who your defensive is, so let's start with offense. Offensive MVP prediction. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that the return of George Kittle is going to be huge, so I'm going to pick George Kittle. Five catches, 90 yards, a touchdown. Damn. First game back right into the action. All right. For an extra Vexus, Trill on one's wine. We have that here. This episode is brought to you by my bookie, though. Mike offensive MVP prediction I'm gonna stick with my offensive lineman man I'm gonna go with Aaron Banks again um I feel like that's who I said before but I couldn't find anywhere I wanted to go and see and uh Aaron Banks is playing like a top guard in the entire NFL uh this is someone who took so much flack from from the fan base you know people call ready to call him a bust uh that stupid stat came out about second round picks who did who played the least and he was at the top of the list uh but he is out there um, and dare I say he's helping Trent Williams, you know, um, I, there's been plays where you just see him going over to just lay the wood on people that Trent Williams is holding up and he's holding up fine, but this guy is constantly looking for someone, uh, getting to the second level, uh, blocking linebackers, you know, 10, 15 yards down the field. Uh, this guy is hungry and he likes to make contact. He's got this old school Alex Boone kind of feel to him, you know, that nastiness. Uh, and he's just, you know, this big, massive guy throwing people around. I absolutely love to see it. I'm sticking with my offensive lineman. I'm going to go with Aaron Banks again. I know he's not going to put up any stats. There's nothing that you're going to be able to see. But uh, what is it? Oh, no sacks allowed by any of our interior guys. Uh, one pressure between the three of them or something like that. So these guys are out there. and They're playing really, really good football right now. This one's tough for me. By the way, I like that. Totally out of the box. Wouldn't have thought of an offensive lineman for MVP. But I like it. Um, man, I think I'm going to do it. I think I'm going to do it. I'm going to go with Jeff Wilson Jr. And I know he's got a lot of flack from the fans, even including our own group chat. People don't think he's it. I thought he looked pretty good Sunday against the Seahawks. Wasn't amazing, obviously, but he was solid. Uh, he's got a little more of the pressure now that TDP's out. I know they called up, uh, Marlon Mack at the time of the active roster. That is, I'm going to say Jeff Wilson Jr. And I'm going to say 13 carries. 110 yards and a touchdown. I think he goes over 100 this Sunday night. All right. Defensive MVP, Matt, hit us. Nick Bosa, three sacks and a motherfucking forced fumble, baby. What's up, Mike? Three sacks. I was going to ask a question really quick, but, uh, but we already yeah. transitioned. So it's, go ahead. It's go right. ahead. Um, who gets the goal line carries? I See, and I think that's why a guy like Jeff Wilson Jr. doesn't get the accolades right he's he's doing what he's supposed to do as a ball carrier for the Niners but because he's not getting in the end zone people are like yeah he's he's not it but they're pulling him out and putting in Ty Davis Price at the goal line and then handing it off the juice if he gets some goal line carries or gets a touchdown or two people I think they're I think their tone changes you know if he has the same exact numbers from the time that he's been in here but a touchdown or two sprinkled in over the first two two weeks I think we're like yeah he's good he can do it he can handle it I think they stick with juice for the goal line carries. We saw that last week worked out. All right with them. I think that uh, that's what they stay with. Unfortunately, I would like for them to go to a back, but who do they have? No one. Also, I did not know that Jeff Wilson was a former wide receiver. Makes sense now that he's their best pass catching back. Um, all right, Matt hit us with his Nick Bosa, three fumbles, four sack, force fumble, excuse me, three sacks, force fumble. I got that totally mixed up. Mike, defensive MVP prediction. 
Oh, man. My gut is saying to go with Talanoa Hufunga. Um, he, like you said, leading the team in tackles. I think he gets his hand on two balls this game. Pauls? Uh, I think he I think he comes away with two picks this game. Uh, seven tackles, two picks. Damn, that, that's a lot. Um, I'm going to go with Fred Warner, the captain of the defense. Kind of an easy one, but somebody who's familiar with Russell Wilson, maybe feels that little bit of extra oomph in his step having to step up for this guy, Trey Lance, going out. We saw him being one of the first to go over to Trey Lance once he was injured on Sunday. And I think as a leader of the team, he steps it up. And I think he gets his hands on one. I'm going to say an interception and eight tackles. Hell of a game for Fred. All right, final score predictions. We're going to wrap this up. Again, guys, comment your predictions in the chat. If you get it right, we'll send you merch. I think one person ever has only gotten it right since we've been doing this. And it was like on an Instagram post a couple of years ago. So, Try your predictions at us. We'd love them if you get them right. Matt, who do you got? Final score. I'm going to go with the 49ers here. I just think that there's a lot of injuries on the offensive side of the ball for the Broncos where they've been struggling already. Russell Wilson just looks like he's washed to me. He's on the backside of his career. And Nathaniel Hackett looks completely lost, separated from where he was before. So I'm going to go with the 49ers getting a key win um, on the road. I'm going to say 24-21. All right, Mike. Wow, wow. Uh, yeah, I'm going <clears> to <throat> – I don't think they're putting up 21 points on this defense. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, – One of those will be a Jimmy Garoppolo pick six. Oh, okay. All right, well, that, that that's different. Than, all right, that makes a lot more sense. Uh, I'm going to go <clears> – I'm going to go uh, 24 for the Niners, and I'm going to say 17. 17 for the Broncos. I like you. I like your thinking there, Ted. All right. Um, I'm going to say 49ers 27, Broncos 13. I think we keep the keep the Broncos under 14 under or under two scores roughly, and the 49ers get the job done. I don't know comfortably. Maybe at the end it'll be comfortably, probably a close one. I just I don't know. For some reason, I circled this game going into the year thinking it'll be a lot tougher than it probably will be. But I also thought. The Broncos would hit the ground running. We haven't seen that. So that's it for our predictions. I think that's going to wrap up our show. Like I said, comment your predictions if you haven't already. Tweet them at us at 49ers Hive. Um, Our handles are below on the screen if you want to tweet us individually. Mike, let the folks know where to find you. Thank you very much for joining us, even with your injured eye. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so the handle's right here. You guys can see it. That's my Twitter handle right there, uh, Mike Andrews 83 And then the other one I want to plug, I'm not going to plug our YouTube page, um, but I will plug our new Instagram. We got hacked. Uh, so the new Instagram handle is nothing but Niners, but it's a nine, uh, nothing but nine ERS. So if you guys still follow the old one, they change it up. They put some hashtags in there. Please block, report them. Uh, and follow the new one, nothing but nine ERS on IG. Yes, thank you very much. Sucks. I saw that post. I'm like, damn. Anytime they're talking about flipping money, man, I know these accounts are gone. They're hitting them a lot lately. Uh, Matt, you want to carry us out? Absolutely. Um, you know, last week didn't go the way that we wanted to. It was a little bit of a blow. I think the best remedy for that is for the boys to go out to Denver and beat that Bronco ass. So, Niners country, let's ride. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, thank you with always for joining us. We love having you here. Let's go knock that corny motherfucker into the ground. All right. Um, with that being said, thank you for being here. And until next time, 
Go Niners.